0: Join Rowdy and Kyle every Monday and Thursday night for another episode of the Rowdy Magalite Show. Sponsored by On Tire Tailgate.
1: All right, race fans, let's get rowdy. The next 60 minutes will be two men talking one thing and one thing only, racing. From the third tracks of the Carolinas to the super speedways of Daytona and Tallahassee day No race is too big or small for this duo. Ladies and gentlemen, these are our hosts, Rowdy Maglite and Kyle Magda. This is the Rowdy Maglite Show. All right, everyone. Welcome to the show, and I'd like to welcome back to the Rowdy Maglite Show, Brad Perez. Welcome back, Brad.
2: Hey, how's it going?
1: Man, it's going great. Brad What's some weather last week at, at the Rolex? A different kind of aspect of racing for you. Let's talk about what it was like to uh, cover the Rolex and, and be a spotter.
2: And it was it was a lot of fun. It definitely was intimidating because uh, I am really bad with sleep. I I am the type of guy I will sleep at 8:30 at night and wake up really early. So I really had to almost redo my sleep schedule um to be able to do that race luckily i was tag teaming it with reed Sorensen, so reed was the second spotter and we were doing six hour shifts and we went down to three hour shifts it was uh really weird to wake up at 4 a.m and spot a race car but it definitely was fun
1: uh brad i my my deal was uh i think we made it to about three o'clock i was up back at at Five thirty. Walked over the media center to catch up. What was what had gone on? Pretty exciting night. Uh, I think your quote was a car. You had a car fire, two laps down, multiple hits, and you still coming fourth. What strategy that you could have played to make that a better uh, race, Brad, to, to to be number one? Well, um, honestly. I'll give it up to the drivers for that
2: one. I mean, they kind of made the strategy work. Um, Middle of the night, I mean, we lost laps off of just dumb stuff. I mean, we we lost laps because of a pit cycle. Like, we had just pit, then the yellow comes out. Like, we just made a driver change and lost laps like that. And it was pretty crappy because middle of the night, there wasn't many cautions. So we were kind of just stuck two laps down for so long. Uh, And then towards the end there, um, I think we didn't really get our laps back until about two hours to go, which I, I thought I was going on the roof with three hours to go. I was like, yeah, we're done here. I don't think we'll be able to get back up there. We were seventh. So uh, towards the end, uh, we got two really lucky cautions. Uh, Mario Fonbacher drove an, an amazing stint. Like he was driving all the way up, beating the fast guys, even in G T V Pro. Um, and then once we had those two yellows, our last stop, we went to go fuel the car and – It. I mean, we just had a small fire. I mean, you have to do it so quick, Um, this freak deal, Um, and because of it, we just had to go. We didn't want to lose a lap. When it happened, we found out we were eight minutes short of fuel. So we were just kind of like, well, it's too long for us to save. So might as well just go after it. And Mario went after it, got a lucky caution, but even still, that caused us to pit. So we had to kind of start at the tail end and um, just, just kind of that. I mean, I, I feel like if we didn't have that fuel fire. We definitely had a shot to win the race, even though we were kind of down on speed uh, in a straight line. So a uh, shout out to the Mercedes. Those guys, they were super quick. The the 32 with Mike Skeen and Kenton Cook, they were really fast. Class of the field, same thing with the Windward 57. They were fast. And all the Astons. And uh, just glad that we even were
1: able to finish close. I mean, honestly, com- considering what happened at night. You know, Brad, this was my sixth year covering this event. And, You probably, well, you had the the pass. We had to park over in Lot 6. And on Thursday, in previous races, there was plenty of space. I pull in there Thursday morning, and it was actually out next to the airport at the very end of the lot. It stayed that way every day except the very end of Sunday. And I think most people parked and went over into the grandstands on Sunday. But what was it like looking down I mean, it's a completely different crowd. The infield is just pretty much just every square parking spot's took up in it, right? There's something going on in infield completely on every inch of the ground.
2: Crazy. Like i I've been to the Rolex probably four times in my life, and I have never seen the infield as packed as it was. And not even just the infield. If you looked off in the near turn one where they had that TV on the grandstand, I mean, it was. Slam packed full of fans. I mean, that's probably enough people to sell and Gray out like four, three, three or four or five times just in the stands alone. So that's something that I have not seen in sports car racing in, in God knows how long. So that just goes to show kind of the upswing that IMSA is on in America. I'm glad more people are excited about sports car racing. I'm more excited about sports car racing, and uh, the popularity of sports car racing in America helps all racing in America, in my opinion. Um, and it just, just helps the sponsors keep rolling and, and more manufacturers to be involved. I mean, there was like, I think I saw stats like 20 plus manufacturers involved in the Rolex 24, which is insane. So the health of sports car racing is really up. I love to see it. Brad, do
1: you envision driving in the 24 hours?
2: Oh, uh, it's, it's always
1: been a dream of mine. Ever since I was a kid, I'm a Florida boy.
2: Yeah, I've always, I've always watched races at Homestead and Daytona as a kid. I've. I've raced on the 24-hour course in SCCA. Uh, it is—it would be a dream come true to do it. And you know, I was actually close to doing it this year. Um, behind the scenes, I was working on the deal that could have potentially had me running that race, and that would have been pretty cool. But um, either way, uh, it's, its definitely still a possibility. Uh, IMSA is definitely uh, a place where I feel like I could—I could find myself being successful in. It's just a matter of uh, finding that finding that sponsorship, finding somebody who wants to partner up and. Making it worthwhile for everyone.
1: Different setup down on pit row, isn't it, from what NASCAR was, with the cabanas stretched out through there, and the and the gas delivery to the car is completely different. Yeah, uh,
2: so those those tents are, are pretty nice. I, I would say definitely as a crew guy, you definitely would love to have a tent in there so you're able to take naps in between. Uh, you're kind of out of the elements. Uh, and also those fueling rigs, I never really understood how much went into the fueling rigs until this time around. I learned that, you know, depending on how high you have the drum up, you know, the height of it, then you know, what regulator you have, you're supposed to fuel the car. And I think the lowest amount of time is like 40 seconds. Um, somebody requote me if I'm wrong. I believe it's 40 seconds. And if you were to go under that time, that's a penalty. So the, the margin of error that these guys have to do in trying to be as fast as possible on pit road with the fueling,
1: but also not be illegal and, and get held alive. I mean, it, it's tough. Brad, uh, before we move on to your Xfinity deal, kind of with that, uh, the new hybrid, we've some, seen something this weekend that's pro- probably going to set the trend for a lot of other things to come in, in racing.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, the GTP class is cool. i give it that. But you definitely saw with, with the 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 lack of parts for these cars right now, you saw it in the roar that, that those GTP cars really didn't try to go super hard. There's a lot of penalties in the race for the regulations being broken in regards to the GTP cars. I think a lot has to be done right here to kind of get the class right um, as far as legality is concerned and as far as endurance is concerned. There's a lot of problems at night. I know the Porsche's had a couple of issues. Um, I know the BMW's had a couple of issues. Uh, I think reliability is still kind of an issue, and I think that's kind of what goes into hybrid racing. Um, you've only really seen it in Lama so far. Um, I think give it a couple of years, it'll be pretty
1: good, but I think
2: right now it goes to show, this is all about research and development. Um, uh, who knows where it'll be in 10 years.
1: Uh, Lamar, is that on the bucket list?
2: Oh man, you, if you know me, you know, I want to do everything. <laughs> I'll, I'll do a
1: monster bucket, let me. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, the Rolex kind of had a dinner for all the uh, journalists and photographers over on Thursday night, and they had the uh, trophy there. And it was this, honestly, just to touch it was spine-tangling, Brad. (laughs) It's nice. I mean, I I saw it uh, from the spotter stand. You can
2: actually see that thing gleaming out there in Victory Lane. I was like, that's pretty nice. I'd like one.
1: So uh, let's talk about your 23 season here, Brad. What, what's your first – what you got on your agenda for that?
2: So we're doing four races for Everling Gase Motorsports. I'm really excited
1: to be back with Joey Gase
2: and Patrick Emmerling. Uh We hired uh, Paul Clapperud as a crew chief. Um, we're, we're definitely uh, building our team to the point where I feel like we can be a solid contender for top 20 in points. Um, Really, Koda will be their first race. Uh, I'm really excited to do that one. White Sand and Clay and Apex Coffee will be on board, both Texas companies. So it's really cool to see Texas companies represented at, at the biggest racetrack in, in Texas, uh, Circuit of the Americas. Uh, the other three we'll be doing is kind of up in the air. I've actually been having, actually, just got off the phone with um, with someone, um, just trying to make sure we figure out what we're going to do for those next three. I definitely want to do an oval, so that's part of what we're doing. I know Joey and Patrick want me to do some road courses, which is also why I love to do that, but
1: uh, definitely want to see
2: if we can do uh, any uh, ovals here for sure.
1: What about your uh, Xfinity test, and how'd that go? Uh,
2: it was all right. I mean, really, it's just uh, getting accustomed to the new rules. I mean, Xfinity uh, NASCAR gave us some new rear-end housing rules. We're not allowed to skew the cars as much as we used to, um, so... Um, just dialing our mile-and-a-half program to uh, go around those rules. So Patrick got in the car, Joey got in the car, we had C.J. McLaughlin show up, and then uh, he'll be with us next year for a couple of races. Not really sure exactly the details on that, but um, he was there testing our car as well. Really just gathering data uh, so that when we go back to Charlotte or we go back to Kansas
1: or Vegas and stuff like that, we have an idea of where we have to be. You know, Brad, with the wheels that are in charge of NASCAR, looking at the new car that we have, all the road courses that Xfinity expanded to, I think uh, the trend of this is kind of going to road courses and with ovals also. And, and I said it the other day on the show. I get a feedback of, uh, what is there to NASCAR but go round and round and round? You got to look at that road course. As way, NASCAR was founded, was on moonshiners back in the day, and they never outrun the law on an oval track. They always was left, <laughs> right, right, left on a road course. And once I looked at the road course that way, I looked at the racing situation completely different. And then, Brad, you know, when you throw that little, it is the only time in NASCAR, an event, that you want just a little rain. You throw in a little shake of rain in there, and and then it's all about when do we put on the rain tires? When do we take the rain tires off? And it really makes for an interesting race.
2: I agree. Uh, I have yet to do a stock car road race,
1: and I would love
2: to. I've been trying to do Portland this year because, you know, it always rains in Portland. Uh, Definitely would love to do a rain race. Uh, I am excited for rain racing. Being from Miami, uh, most of my career I've driven in the rain. It's just because it always rains in Miami. So um, definitely excited to see if we could do some of that. Um, now the rules now even have it that you can run in the rain
1: on certain ovals.
2: So, uh, heck, maybe if my first oval starts in the rain, that might be pretty good for me.
1: <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's something else that I kind of like on on what we've witnessed this weekend. Was a little sign of a tail light in the back. Uh,
2: yeah, so on the uh, probably the lights that you had seen in there um, is the usually they're for the bigger teams they have like sensors that that kind of point towards the ground. You can see your ground clearance. It's like a laser ground clearance sensor, so you can see your your dynamic ride height as you go on the racetrack. Same thing in our car. We even had like a micron that would uh, capture some data there. We were allowed to do that, and that glows in there, so you can kind of see it. Um, so a lot of different laser and light-related things happen inside the cars, mostly for data collection.
1: So, <laughs> One more thing, Brad. Uh, what was it like to look at it, the aviance, the different colors of the lights on the cars, and this round and round? Then you had the Ferris wheel to overlook each time. Uh, at, from your spotter stand, what area did you cover, the whole track, or did you have sections of track?
2: Oh, no, we stand on top of the regular spotter stand, and we watch the whole thing. We have to see them all the way through. Uh, really, the only hardest part, I mean, it wouldn't even be the Ferrisville to be honest. I think it's when you come out of uh, the second horseshoe, so after the kink, that second horseshoe, that faces back towards the front straightaway, all we see from the spotter stand is the headlights. I mean, you, just, you cannot see what car it is. So you really have to grab your car before that corner. And determine which set of headlights is you, which is uh, kind of hard. But uh, after a while, you kind of get locked in
1: towards the middle of the night,
2: and you you start to do better.
1: It is a beautiful place to watch a race, and then to like I, I had woke up when you when you wake up at five o'clock, five thirty in the morning, you catch the tram over, and you see the cars. It's a testimony to the automobile industry, a, a vehicles that can stand 24 hours of an endurance race like that. Yeah. You know, it's crazy to think about, you know, in the days
2: like the 60s and 70s, the Daytona Continental, um, where it would be just a miracle. Like if you were able to finish the race, you'd probably finish top three. And nowadays to see the Rolex 24 and seeing like over 40 cars finish the race, that's that's crazy, you know, how the automobile has gone forward in time. So, It's cool to be alive in this era, to see something cool like that, but also referencing the past and and seeing how
1: far we've come is pretty cool. Brad, can you imagine the day when they raced that track? And I talked to people before the lights in the stadium was applied. They actually drove by the headlights.
2: (laughs) I cannot imagine going through the banking of NASCAR three and four with no lights, (laughs) going 190. That's insane. (laughs)
1: it it really is i mean that's a testimony when when uh, this uh guy was come up and started talking about back in that day and i'm like that (laughs) how they did it brad i got finally uh kyle's had a little phone problems but we got kyle here welcome back kyle
0: hi brad it's kyle thanks again for coming on the rowdy maglite show um First question for you is uh please talk about your deal with Emerling Gase Motorsports. Uh you tweeted you were gonna run Coda and maybe some other races. Uh talk a little bit more about that.
2: Uh yeah, yeah, we're doing uh doing Coda uh with Weiss and uh and uh, Apex Coffee and, and then the other races are kinda just up in the air. We're really not sure. Well once I know, you will know. <laughs>
0: Okay. That's fair. Um, you know, uh, you got some time with Charlotte the other day. Um, I, I think Rowdy asked you that, but, um, you know, how was that? And, uh, you know, who was, who was helping you get up to speed, uh, quickest, uh, Charlotte? Uh, well, I did not drive. I was just there. I was the,
2: the tire and data guy. So I was kind of writing down all of our stuff, making sure that, um, uh, driver feedback was recorded, was talking back with our crew chiefs, uh, Rick Bourgeois and, and uh paul clapper just making sure that everything's covered so that we know how to get better when we go back to the mile and a half this year
0: so we haven't had john in a little while um you know uh talk a little bit about how 2022 went um you know you rent you made your truck debut you made your xfinity debut um you know how i know i know you you've talked about it before on the show but you know how was that and um you know what are you what are you looking forward to most this season
2: um, man, I, the what I'm looking forward honestly is just kind of growing my partnerships. It's just uh, doing four races and being able to lock that in right now is is crazy to me. I mean, I've never never thought I'd be able to to get to this point where I could say yes. But this year, I know I'm going to enter this year as an Xfinity Series driver. Um, I just I just want to grow it. I want to be able to grow and and I, I lean a lot on people like Ryan Ellis, who's very close to putting together a full season, and it's taken him five, six years, I even closer to ten years. It just shows it goes to show how hard it is. Um we don't really come from money like we did and it's just more of growing our partnerships with the sponsors that we have now and, and trying to see what we can do more to help more people. That's really kinda of what it's about.
0: So what's your involvement gonna be this season? Um, you're running the race at Coda for Emerlin Gase. Um I mean I know you said you you're gonna, you know, announce it when it comes to Fruition, but um, I mean, what what else you looking to do? Um, Are you still doing the Rackley War stuff uh, with teams? I mean, what what else are you going to be looking to do in your off time? Uh, No, I'm just working with uh,
2: Emerlin Gase. I'll be with them for basically almost all the races. Uh, Whenever I'm not racing, I'll be uh, doing everything from spotting to doing tires to data collection. Um, Anything that I'm needed for, I will do. Um, Just working with the team and, and getting close to the guys. Um, I'll be at the shop sometimes, but I'll obviously have my day job that I'm doing at BMW Performance Center. Other than that, I mean, uh, I'll mean, i be helping the Mullins at Daytona, doing the ARCA race with them. Uh, they have a, a schedule with Brayton Laster that they're doing, and I'll be at a couple of ARCA races helping them out as well. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm just trying to not fill my plate up too much because I already have a lot going on.
0: <laughs> so my last question for you is um... – being up on the spotter stand, um, what, what what do you learn when you're up there um, and when you do go into the race car of uh, being up there and then, and then going down onto the track? Um,
2: I mean, you're really just kind of, well, this one's kind of different. So I feel like I've, I've never driven a GT3 car. So it was a lot for me to understand exactly what the drivers can see, what they can't see, uh, what it's like when a car is behind you. Uh, and what I learned really is you just cannot see a dang thing behind you at night. I mean, when, When you're going down the back straightaway at Daytona going in the bus stop, all you see is a set of headlights behind you. You cannot tell what car it is. You cannot tell how far it is. Uh, They really rely on us to uh, help them determine, all right, well, that's a prototype, and it'll be coming very quick, or it's a GT car. This is your corner. You don't have to worry about it. Um, So definitely uh, we're – I had to learn a lot. I mean, definitely different than NASCAR and NASCAR. I mean, we can't see anything in there even during the daytime. It's just because just all the obstruction, and it's just hard to turn your head the battle that they're facing. Uh and it's kind of interesting to kind of compare the two.
1: Brad, uh you know give give a shout out to guys back at shop and and your sponsors for your upcoming race.
2: Yeah, just shout out to all everybody at emily Gates Motorsports, um Paul and Brick and Nate, um Joey, everybody who's over there. Um thank you for all your hard work. We're, we're obviously going to be working together a lot this season. Uh, Green Tech Energy, Victory Sim, Apex Coffee, uh White Sand Stand and Clay. I mean they, they that's that's my big four, man. They they've helped me so much through my journey over here and racing and uh without them like legitimately we just wouldn't be having this conversation. I just I would be flipping burgers somewhere. So um I appreciate them and I appreciate everybody who's listening right now. The fact that you're even concerned about anything that has to do with my life um definitely Is is important to me, and
1: and I'm grateful that you're listening. So
2: thank you for tuning in to the Rowdy Maglite Show.
1: Brad, looking forward to seeing you down in Daytona, my man. And, uh, hey, if you're like me, I would flip burgers, wash dishes to have the opportunity to drive a race car. It's all worth it at the end. I do that just to be able to go and be part of the race show, Brad. (laughs) I feel you. <laughs> uh, so, hey, we truly appreciate you spending time and, and looking forward to having you. Well, I'm looking forward to having you in here in Victory Circle with us. Now, thank you for having me on. Thanks, thanks, uh, Brad. Looking forward to having you back on, friend. All right, have a good day, y'all.
0: See you. Ya. Thanks, Brad. At times like this, I think how lucky I am to be a NASCAR Winston Cup driver, and how fortunate I am to have a great sponsor like Napa Auto Parts. Because Napa understands quality and value and the importance of having a friendly, knowledgeable
1: staff. And it's at times like this, looking around at the empty grandstands, and listening to the silence of Pit Road that I realize.
0: I'm at the wrong track.